1: Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you
0: ready? Well, let's get it all. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada,
1: this is MMA Junkie, Junkie Radio. We roll it. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night. As I'm watching Sunday Night Football out of the corner of my eye, we're going to talk to you about mixed martial arts and bare knuckle fighting for the next hour or so. Two big events took place this past weekend, UFC Fight Night, Dariush versus Sarukian. Uh, what else did they call it? UFC on... Oh, good. I can't find the numbered series. That's, that's even better because it just adds to the confusion. It was a fight night, though, in Austin. Pretty big deal for the UFC, too. We'll go over that. Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship 56. I'm positive of that number. That took place as well. Huge pay-per-view for that promotion. And, of course, the latest news. We'll get the show started. Man goes, I'm so gutted for Benny Dariush. Literally one year ago this guy we were all clamoring for a title shot he deserved the title shot i'm not saying he would have been the greatest lightweight ever i'm not even saying he would have won the title and if he did he would have had you know a defense i don't know he had his chance though and the politics of this game just shoved him aside and now he's got two big losses accompanied by two huge KO loss, uh, KOs, you know, the brain is never the same sucks, man. He's such a nice guy. You know what I mean? But congrats to our monster who put it on him. put it on, on uh, Benny Dariush in the main event at UFC Austin.
0: It was so quick, you know, not, uh, not much of a fight really developed at first. It looked like the knee was something that did something, but it really wasn't. And, uh, you know, now that it was such a a wham performance that like you kind of wanted to see more out of it but it puts Sarukian's name up there with with the top dogs now i think people need to pump the brakes a little bit but it's it's it doesn't get any better than that for Sarukian and for Benny he's got to figure out what does he want to do you know because the rebuilding process is really going to take a while
1: yeah but you know Benny a few guys just didn't want to fight him because they didn't think he had a sexy enough name and his win streak was impressive, but it wouldn't get him a shot. But yet the UFC didn't really, how can I put this to you? They didn't really look bad in the process because he didn't make a big deal out of it. I'm not trying to make a big deal out of it because it's in the past. I'm just gutted for him. This is a a guy we've covered for his rise through the UFC a couple downs and then the come up again. And yeah, I think part of it too was I, I was expecting a greater fight between the two. And what I mean by that is um, whether Benny won or Armand Sarukian one, I guess I wanted to see a lot more and that way each guy's stock doesn't drop too far. And, but you know, right now I think Benny's is going to take a hit a little bit because that's two in a row killers, by the way. Benil Darius, uh, sorry, Armand Sarukian and Charles Oliveira. I mean, Charles Oliveira is a former champion, and Armand Sarukian is a stud, man. He's going to be fighting for a title soon. So I want to say no shame in that. It's just that his loss, you know, or sorry, his age and the losses, I just kind of see possibly the end here for him. Now, you'll always hear me say this, but you got your Robbie Lawlers of the world, you got your uh, Michael Bisping's of the world guys that were in the division for a long time and kept coming back, coming back, coming back, and then they had a chance to win a top a world title later in their career and they did it. So I guess that can happen. And you know, recently guys didn't didn't it seem like Aljamain Sterling was in a band weight for a long time mm-hmm. with some ups and downs, and then he he did it too.
0: You know, I don't know if his was as long of a journey as the other guys, but it can happen. Here's another option, too, is, like, depending on what your contract is or, or what, like, God, PFL just seems so sexy to me. Just go over there and try and make a million dollars, right? Can you beat OAM? That's the first question. He looks like he's not going to be around for another one of these. So I guess, all right, can you beat Clay Collard, right? Why not go over there and just make money? Forget about the title. Forget about the UFC. Maybe that's, like, your avenue if the UFC lets you out of your contract. Which, if you're a guy like Benny Darius, maybe they do. Maybe they just go, you know what, man, we did kind of hold you on the hook for a while. We might have screwed you out of a title shot. All right, go go do your thing. Who knows? Um, it's not crazy. You know, like you said, there are examples of people who have turned things around. But in this particular division, there's just monsters. There's always, always since the dawn of time, have been great fighters at one fifty five.
1: Exactly. That's not a bad option. Now, I'm sure Bellator is going to bring over some of their lightweights, along with some of the ones that just competed in the tournament and and a free agent or two that the UFC might part ways with. So it could be pretty interesting over at PFL. And I was thinking of something as you were talking. Do you remember when John Fitch was in the UFC for a long time and he was a clear-cut number two to GSP's number one? Yeah, He had his one title shot. He, he came up short, but he derailed a lot of other people from even getting to GSP because he was the gatekeeper to the title, to GSP. And so what did this guy do? He basically hung around until his time was up. I remember he had a little falling out with the UFC. Remember they went public with how much they made and this and that. a anyway. video game too, right? Yeah, at one point, him and King Velasquez, they got cut from the UFC for 24 hours, maybe 48. And then they got brought back. Good call by Dana too, man, because King wound up being a big name. But um, my point is, he came over to WSOF before it was PFL. And I remember he won a world title there. And I remember he clutched that belt, and it meant so much to him. Yes, it wasn't a UFC belt. But it was, a, it was a belt of a major promotion that, that was on TV. And I remember him just, it, it really, really meant a lot to him. Uh, and so, even though Benny, I'm sure for the last 10 years, has, has dreamed of winning the UFC belt, I think he could go over to PFL, compete, make some money, and possibly win a belt. And that, that might give him a little bit of... Um, Satisfaction as his career winds down, that you know he was a a world champion somewhere. Um, OAM looks like he's almost a blueprint to a little bit of what Benny could do. You know, like OAM probably didn't reach a height of what Benny did because Benny was like knocking on the door of a title shot. OAM was never at that point, but look at the career OAM's had, and he looks like he can actually. Never fight again, but be at peace with what he accomplished
0: and the money he made. That's the thing. I mean, these guys get put in these weird situations. Um, if he remains in the UFC, he's going to make a good payday per fight, but he's going to be fighting killers. Like, even, even when we talk about him taking a step down, they're still really, really good fighters. Like, for instance, look, we're, we're going to get to it, but Bobby Green was a loser that night, right? If you match him yeah. up against Bobby Green... Neither guy is anywhere near a title fight, but that's still a tough matchup. You see what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. there's kind of no escaping it. You might as well just make as much money as you can at this point. Like, I don't know. Uh, you know, he's a guy that definitely says, I'm not going to beg. He said it meant plenty of times. Well, guess what? Over there, you don't got to beg. All you got to do is win. Just perform.
1: Yeah. Uh. Uh. Congrats to our Sarukin. I'm not taking anything away from him. He was a beast, and I think he's jumping the gun a little bit, and I'll explain why when it comes to a title shot. Now, I don't blame him for just throwing it out there, right? Hey, I'm on the scene. Take notice. Think of me the next time you guys are in the warm room picking big fights. I deliver. Okay, you got it. We will. They will. I will say this. I thought there was one shot that was unnecessary on Armands on Benny Dariush. And I don't know if I... I might almost compare it to what Lawler did did to in get away. You know what I'm talking about? No, really. So he... I'm actually going to try and see if I can't cue it up while you're talking. Cue it up, and I'll talk. He knocks him down, and Benny's pretty messed up. And then he comes in, and you'll see that the first time he throws... The follow-up punch. He's in more than entitled to do it. The fight is still live, even though Penny, Benny, I mean Penny, Benny fell in an awkward way. It, it still like look like someone who might still be in the fight. Uh so he comes in and he throws this big old follow-up, right? Dan Henderson on Michael Bisping style. It misses, however. It misses. Then the next one catches him and really closes out the party now i don't know how many more there are but i will say this once mark smith got in the way he still threw another one i didn't like that you know and what? Get I, this. I know what he you're was winding about. up on a, on a second one when he kind of stopped almost as if to say you know that's that's a bit too much no the one before was a bit too much because once the ref goes gets in there that's it now this is the end i don't think i'm going to talk about it again unless someone asks me. So it's not like I lost sleep last night and I won't this morning, but I still felt that because I've seen enough fights to know what's late, what's early, what's uncalled for, what's this, what's that, whatever. I don't even have to hear somebody saying it's the heat of the moment. No, I've seen a lot of heat of the moments. That was one punch too late. Did you find it yet? Uh, I'm getting close. Okay. You'll see that he throws a punch while Mark Smith is clearly in between him and Benny, he's already knocked them down, and he's already landed the kiss of death. Like, What's the last one for? You know what I mean? And then that last one that he pulls back, (laughs) almost in in a way as if to say, you know, I'm a good guy. I'm going to hold back on this one. I was just thinking,
0: nah, you should have done that one (laughs) the time before. But Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're talking about. You see Uh, what I'm um, saying? I think I might be one. One where if Mark Smith... Yeah, because he's still in there and he's almost trying to get it around him. Yes, exactly. Mark Smith is clearly there. And remember,
1: the ref is usually saying stop before they arrive or as they're arriving. Um, You know, if you don't get in between, if you just say stop, but you don't get in between them, you can keep going because you might not even hear stop to tell you the truth. But like I say... Look at how he knocked down Benny. Look at Benny's reaction. And then look at the follow-up. There's all kinds of intel that us as fans, the media, the fighters themselves, you know, they they've seen. And this this guy's done. This guy's done. And, and Armand's a veteran of the sport. I know he's had more than 20 fights because I think he's 17 and 3, 19 and 3, or whatever. He should have known better, but you saw it. Yeah. This wasn't a big deal uh, yesterday because ugh. Kerry Hadley basically told him to hold his beer. Mm-hmm. And now that fight was before, so in a way the joke kind of doesn't make sense. But Kerry Hadley, everybody was still talking about him. So yeah, man. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Just uh I, I, I hope. I just hope a Mick Maynard or a Sean Shelby says, Hey, look, congrats. We don't know what your next fight is. But we want to tell you this. Um, go back and look at your winning at your winning performance. That 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 punches a bit too much, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it's their job to do it, it's their job to put fights together. I don't think it's Dana's job to do it as a promoter unless he's really, really close with a fighter. I don't know if it's the coaches, but that just felt like you know, if we're gonna give Kerry Hadley, hey dude, you gotta save these guys a little bit, then I'm gonna say it to the fighters themselves, hey guys. The fight's over man you know like and and, and look at how armand actually speaks very eloquently of Benil, very respectfully i appreciated that i, I liked it but that still doesn't take away from that was too much man um i keep watching
0: it over and over and the only thing man i think uh you're not gonna like this because you just kind of preached about it not being that The only thing I can think of is it was heat of the moment, just because he's uh he doesn't really have ill will towards Benny. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's it's one of those where you almost see like the switch click, you know, like oh my god, like I got, uh, but uh, yeah, my Mark Smith was there. He was there. Like there was a punch. Yeah, he he threw he threw around Mark
1: Smith. He threw around Mark Smith. So that to me just wasn't cool.
0: Yeah. Now it doesn't
1: mean he's not a good guy. He might be buying gifts for all kinds of kids for Christmas. He might go to church every Sunday. He might, you know, give speeches or motivational speeches at military bases. It doesn't mean he's a bad guy. I just think at that
0: moment, he went a bit too far. That's all I'm saying. I think if you ask him, he's got to say something like, like, yeah, you know, looking back at it, I I did overreact a little bit. I, I apologize. Mm -hmm. But if he tries to get away with saying, nah, the referee's got us," you know, we got to fight till the end. That's not the case here. It's clearly Mark Smith is in there and he's trying to stop the fight. You're not allowing the fight to be stopped. Right. It's almost like Mahara is holding on to those holds for so long. His next, whatever he says and his next move is is very important because otherwise it's going to become a thing. Right. Right. And I don't. I don't remember him being a
1: dirty fighter. I think he's a fun fighter to watch. I really loved him versus Gamrot. That's fight. Um, yes, and so uh, you know, I him versus what what Fiziev I think might have been another one. Um, this guy's a stud. I like him, but and, and Makachev, even the first Makachev fight, you know, like he's showing us he's not gonna get just walked through. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't Fiziev; it was Silva. I'm sorry. Before Benil Darush, uh, he lost to Gamron, He beat Alvarez, I and mean, he's been probably, he's been a beast. He's he's also bit, beat OAM coincidentally, and Matt uh, Rola for Bola. Twenty-one and three is his record. We'll see. The Armenians are very very intense fellas, and um, I'd say that if there's a nationality of a fighter, like if you were to tell me, hey. I'm just getting into the sport. Who are some of the most intense individuals? I'd probably go, yeah, I think the Armenians are up there. They're oh, as yeah. high as, uh, up there as, as anyone else. Um, if they were like uh, F1 racing, they would be on the podium for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they're intense. But, yeah, um, I felt worse because it was Benny, I suppose. Anyway, Armand Sarukin doesn't deserve a title shot, and I'll tell you why. Did you want to say
0: something? Well, no, that's what I wanted to talk about. Well, let's get into the reason, because I agree with you. I think he has to say it. It has to be said. But if you just if you look at resumes, he doesn't have really that big of a leg to stand on. Mm-hmm. Because right away, you're going to say, look, it just feels like Charles Oliveira is just the direction they're going. All right? But even after that, you go to Justin Gagey, you look at his last two fights, Sarukian's on a three-fight win streak. I feel like uh, Gagey's two fights are better than his three fights. It's just, those are very proven guys. Yeah. And he's also behind
1: Gamron because Gamron's 23-2 and and he beat Sarukian about a year and a half ago. Now, the only thing Sarukian could say is, well, but I beat the guy he lost to after he beat me, which is Benil Dariush. He'd have a point. However, this is Darius is out of the way. So now it's just Gamron versus Sarukian. And that head-to-head is still fresh enough, at least in my mind, 18 mm-hmm. months ago to say that guy's ahead. That's why that guy was chosen to be a substitute before Volkanovsky saved the dance. Uh, remember, it was supposed to be Oliveira versus Makachev with mm-hmm. Gamron as the, as the backup. When that fight fell through, they went straight to Volk- uh, Volkanovsky bypassing Gamron. I didn't think that was fair. But the fact that Gamron was there tells me that the UFC also feels like he's he's up there. So we got Gagey, who, when he won the BMF title, became a champ. He'll get pay-per-view points when he fights. It's not a unification or anything like that, but it was a path to the title. So I see Oliveira, Gagey,
0: and Gamron ahead of this guy. He'll, he'll I think have you to can pick. argue Gamron. I think, I, I think he has a case to argue it a little bit. He I don't think Gamron. I don't think he can, yeah, but it's kind of like the what have you done lately type thing. Could be, yeah. I, I think that can work in his favor, but I don't think he can get around Gagey is the problem. Yeah. Possibly. We'll see, but I, I think we're in
1: agreement. He, th- he needs to take a fight. Yeah. I don't know who it'll be, um, but yeah, I just think it'll, it'll be someone. I, I, the guys like Chandler, McGregor, Poye, they don't seem too interested in fighting. I don't want to say no names, but lesser named fighters in the lightweight division. Right. I, w- I don't know if it's an arrogance. I don't know if it's just one of those where they've made pretty good money. And so they feel like it's uh, a disruptor to their careers or where they're at. See, Poye, I don't see as someone that's necessarily near a title shot. He's never lost to Makashev. He's never fought him, but he just lost mm-hmm. to Gagey. So. I suppose he could get back in the mix somehow. But you got this Chandler-McGregor fight happening. You got Oliveira and Makachev happening. You got Gagey waiting for the winner of Makashev and Oliveira. And then you got the guys knocking on the door like Gamrall, uh, Ar- Armand Sarukian, Rafael Fiziev. He kind of fell off a little bit. He lost to Gagey and Gamrot back-to-back. Prior to that, he was on a nice roll. So we'll see. I think you it's know, too early, maybe. Yeah, I think it's true. Yeah, Grant Dawson just took a, a big L, man. That loss mm-hmm. really, really hurt him. And Bobby Green actually had some nice stock, man. He was as hot as they could get. And then he takes this loss. See, that's that's the thing. I want to salute the fighters and applaud the fighters when they stay busy. I love it because I think that's how you pick up this momentum, right? And I think that's exactly what Bobby Green did. You know, Bobby Green beating Grant Dawson in October. It was just October. It was just October. It was less than two months ago. That win really could have sat there for a while, man. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, Bobby Green had gained a lot of traction. So Ferguson and, Gra- and Grand Dawson back to back both finishes. <sighs> I thought he could have waited it out, but he went after Hooker. Hooker fell through and then they gave him Jalen Turner. And now Green kind of, you know, he falls back
0: down. Well, let me ask you this. Because he's in that situation, does he almost it's um uh, whatever he fights next is almost like it's a little bit of a step but also kind of a placeholder type fight sarukian okay do you almost just have the fight with bobby green at this point i mean there's at least there's heat with that right any other name we attach to him is gonna be on like a one two fight win streak um it's gonna feel like it's beneath him anyway you might as well add a little heat to it right It will feel like it's beneath
1: him, but then once he says what he has to say, insults him, maybe even uses those exact words, he'll realize, wait a minute, I'm catching this guy off a brutal KO. He's older. He is more popular than I am. And like you said, there's heat. Sure. Let me stay busy and pick up a paycheck. I'll fight Bobby Green while the top of the heap gets sorted out. Maybe he... Maybe he racks up
0: another big win, you know, so it wouldn't be a bad play for Armand Sorokin to, to explore that. I, th- I think that's what he's got to do because anybody else that you, you put in front of him, it's just, they're all going to be kind of like relatively the same guy in the sense. So you might as well, uh, you know, you could probably be the, the top billing with a fight like that. Um, they're going to sell it well with, with all the heat going into it. So you might as well, it's not a bad idea. It's weird because green, just took an awful loss. And
1: Sarukin had an amazing win. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, but like I say, it's so plugged up at the top that, yeah, the way this shakes out, I don't think it'd be that horrific. Now, Jalen Turner might go, hold on a second. I just beat Bobby Green. Why am I not fighting Armand Sarukin? If we just want to keep him busy, why can't I be that guy? Mm-hmm. He'd,
0: have, he'd have a point. True. And he's probably got something like an ace up his sleeve, right, for, for taking the fight. Yeah. So uh, who knows? Maybe maybe he's got a little bit more pool now. And they're on the same timeline. Both first round
1: KOs. People can connect the dots. It's not bad. So let's talk about Turner versus Green. I mean, it was over pretty quick. Halfway through round one, he knocks down Bobby Green and then viciously stops him. Kerry Hatley was the referee. He does these. He's, he does a lot of fights in Texas. I've seen him there a lot. I don't think he's a bad referee. I actually think he's a pretty good referee. I thought he made a mistake on Friday, and it sure was magnified big time. However, I'm going to say this, and I'm not trying to give a hot take or anything. I think it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as people are saying. Dana White going so far as to say it's one of the worst he's ever seen. Yes, it could be possibly interpreted that way, except when Bobby Green was on his back, Sorry, on his stomach, and he was covered up. There was a couple shots that Turner threw where you could have went, okay, now's a good time. But Bobby had these subtle moves right when I think a lot of refs would step in where you thought, oh, I think he's in it. And then a couple more he'd take, and then once again a cover-up, and then he had this other little subtle move. Now, granted, after all these passes I'm giving Carrie Hadley, there was a barrage of punches where for sure he should have stepped in even sooner than that. But I think Errol Hawani mm-hmm. had said, he knocks him down here. He should have stopped it. And 20 seconds later, I didn't see it that way. I saw it as he knocked him down. He was viciously hurt. He was covering up. You could have stopped it. Some would have said too early. Some would have said spot on. I would have had no problem with it. But like I say, there was a couple movements that Green gave that I think uh, made Hatley go, no, nah, man, I, I got to give this guy this, this one last chance. And the problem is there was like two of those and and turner man all six four of them it looks like he's a right fielder throwing someone out at third base i mean he's just winding back and then going boom you know crashing down on the guy so it does look pretty damn bad um but like i say i i, I didn't see it as horrifically as others like not it, not as one of the worst because because i saw these subtle movements maybe if you and i watched the fight together. Um, or if you want to run it back and take a look, you'll see these little subtle movements that I think is what tricked Kerry Hadley into thinking the guy had a little bit of life left.
0: No, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and we're we're pretty close on the same wave. Um, so here's how. You know when a when a running back is running downhill and they do that little cut and they do another cut, mm-hmm. there were a couple things that Bobby did that almost worked as that cut. Where it just kind of threw you off a little bit where you were like, wait, wait wait he's in it no 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 he's not wait you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. however, and I think you said it, then it gets to a point where you're like, whoa, you need to get in there yes. Now, this is the problem and I think this is the one thing that we can kind of all point to if we're gonna if we're gonna critique what he did um and it it, it doesn't sometimes it just works out this way but the way everything went down he just ended up in a bad spot to to actually see correctly what was going on yeah and and i think that's what hurt him in that latter part of that exchange and there's nobody we can blame but him and somebody has to be blamed in the situation and right. that's the job that he signed up for you know um but then that's where you kind of look at your body of work and you say all right guys look i done fucked up I know people are all over me, but overall, do you guys think I'm a horrific guy that just needs to go away? I don't probably gonna go, no, I mean, you know, you fucked this one up, but uh, but yeah, but something has to be done and he has to accept that that we're all gonna look at him and say, We need something to happen. You have to go away for a little while. So that's gonna down. be my question
1: to you guys on spinning back click tomorrow, but because we're so close. I don't want to go, ah, we'll save it for tomorrow. Give us a preview. What, okay. what, what would what would you suggest? Uh, the question for tomorrow is going to be, goes, you're the head of the Texas Athletic Commission, so this guy works for you. What do you do as that guy? Or let's say the Texas Athletic Commission guy goes, I didn't see anything wrong with it, and now the UFC finds themselves back in Texas for whatever reason. So you're Dana White or Mark Ratner mm-hmm. or whatever. Do you then say, hey, look, on
0: our behalf, this is a suggestion we have. H- how would you handle it? Okay, so what I would do is is I've been in this game long enough to know that when referees have these hiccups, they tend to work in, like, twos and threes. It almost avalanches, and I've always wondered why that tends to happen. You know, any of the great referees, you point at them, they've had this stretch where they've just had these bad calls, you know, and they're relatively close to each other. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can think of, and especially now, nowadays with social media and everybody's opinion is just one button away. I think it's just too much, man. The same way, like when a when a cop shoots somebody, regardless of, of whether they were wrong or right, they have to get away from their job for a little bit.
1: Like two weeks, right? Or something like that right. with, with pay and I mean that's that the cop. To- but
0: obviously, these guys if they don't work, they don't get paid, but because mentally you're just not in the right space to handle a job. Mm-hmm. that requires this much stress so i i you know a lot of people will say like you just got to get him right back in there you got to get him back right but i don't think it works that way i think he's been through too much like he's viper and be-
1: what he told gesture with maverick the first movie right you got to yeah. get him back up in the sky up-
0: in this case <laughs> i think that's the wrong thing to do i think he's got too much in his head i think he these emotions are going to be carrying over into the next fight he might stop that one too soon now mm-hmm. you know what i mean like he just needs to decompress and get away whether that's a month two months whatever it is but something has to be done because at the same time you have promoters you have fans you have media you have fighters they're all saying what the hell why is my guy not being protected so you have to do something mm-hmm. okay um but i do think at the same time you have to sit down and say look that doesn't mean we need to get rid of them because whoever we replace him with, there's a good chance they're not as good as Kerry Hat. Right. Right. Yeah, so exactly. That's the problem. Like, it's not it's not like uh, any other job where there's just another dude waiting in line. Give me my spot. He's going to come and he's going to shock the world. Like, the, the thing about this job is repetition. And mm-hmm. if you're not an experience. experience, so you can't just replace these guys with Joe Schmo. So I think you just got to take them out of the equation just for a little bit, you know? And I think it'll do everybody good. And then, uh, and then, yeah, bring them back into the fold. But, uh, but we also just can't pretend like nothing happened. Like there's got to be some kind of consequence.
1: What'll well, be interesting, and I have no idea how often Texas promotes fights. They might have a bunch of small leagues, you know, going every weekend. And maybe Terry Hadley, you know, he gets his reps there, who knows what. I would definitely say, Uh you can't take a fight for a month. I don't care what level it is. And for three months, and I'm not saying that anyone's health is more important than others. Sarukian and Dariush's health is not more important than Veronica Hardy and and North or whatever her name was, the first one, first one of the night. (laughs) They're all important. But I do believe the pressure is a little greater higher up on the card for sure. So I would say. You can't ref for one whole month, but for the next three months, we don't want you in a co-main event or in a main event. Um, let's get you back on some of the fights that mm-hmm. are less stressful. They move a little slower because obviously they're not the higher ranked athletes. And let's just see how you perform there. And if things are back to normal, then boom, you're right back at it. Um, he may not like that, but I think it'll be good for him once he accepts it that i think that time will go by f- quickly for one and two i think it'll be good for him or her in this case him
0: yeah i uh, sometimes especially in our sport we tend to be there's no middle ground you know we're either overreacting or we're underreacting mm-hmm. uh we have to be more in the middle here and just figure out all right man what happened it sucked trust me i'm with you it really really sucked and who knows what that does to bobby green who knows if bobby green doesn't come back right because of that uh so there has to be some kind of penalty but at the same time there's just not enough people there's not enough fights to have these people train to just be throwing people on the bench and bringing on the next guy the next guy i almost guarantee you is not going to do a better job than Kerry hadley
1: yeah exactly um all right well congrats to Jalen turner taking the fight on two weeks notice smashed bobby green armand Sarukin smash banil dariush big fights await those guys neither one will get a title shot i think we can all agree on that but still their stock went way up these are what are these are statement wins these are emphatic wins these are you know momentum swingers in their career so it's huge for both guys the good thing is uh, i guess i'm jumping the gun here they also got bonuses So, that's good. You know how I feel about those. I think every finisher should get a bonus. And lo and behold, Dana White gave every finisher a bonus on Saturday night. And that includes Turner and Sarukin. So, um, I think that leads us into talking about the, the, the rest of the card. Let me give the results of the rest of the card so you'll know who else won and who else got these bonuses. Davidson Figueredo defeated Rob Font. He decisioned them. He didn't finish them. But big, big statement win for Davis and Figueredo, former flyweight champion, moving up. And we thought, oh, uh, you're taking on one of the top guys. This could be too much for you, Figgy. Hell no. He looked good against Rob Font. Rob Font just did not. He couldn't get going. Sean Brady defeated Kelvin Gaston. Man, Gaston looked good against um, Chris Curtis in Miami earlier in the year at 185. I thought, oh, shit, he's coming back to 170. He's still only 32 years old. He's going to be quicker and sharper. Man, he just didn't look that good against Sean Brady. But he says he'll be back strong, and he plans on competing at 170, so we'll see. Um, Joaquin Silva defeated Clay Guida. Dude, I was ready to tell Clay Guida, let me know when the fight's over. Uh, I'll be there to pick up your gloves. Great career. But Guida didn't look bad. Goes for a 41-year-old. He still has pace he still throws combos and you know it's not the most it's not the prettiest striker in the world or prettiest strikes in the world but the wrestling doesn't go away he wins rounds if he wants to keep fighting god bless him god bless jim miller uh it's when they start looking like shit where i'm like hey guy that's it you know your run's over but he still does it and people get excited someone was asking me today why why does this guy not go away and i told him okay He's got the walkout song. They, you know, they all related to him. He's got the the slap from the brother. He used to have the hair. No longer the hair. The pace. He belches in between rounds. You know, he wins fights. Enough key fights along the way. Um, he's from Chicago. He's a carpenter. He relates to the carpenters. <laughs> What's not to like about him? Just let him do his thing until he sucks. He hasn't sucked yet.
0: Yeah, this this actual fight card was really really weird. Uh, I I hope. I hope you didn't well. I know you bet on some of these fights, right? Yeah, I didn't do well. <laughs> yeah, like I don't blame you. It just it just really didn't make much sense. Um, I saw two fighters in Rob Font and Kelvin Gastelum who just were one second behind um, in, in everything that was going on. They look so frustrated. The thing about those two guys is they've had these types of performances and they've turned it around. Hopefully they can again because they're they're good fighters. They deserve to be there. Mm-hmm. And then Clay Guida, yeah, I don't know what the fuck happened there, but like his cardio is just—it's it never goes away. He's never tired, and he's always—he's just a, you know what he is—he's the Tasmanian Devil. He's basically the Tasmanian Devil in MMA, and he would not go away, dude. But uh, I, I'm all for him sticking around if he fights like that.
1: I I just thought he was gonna finally hit a wall, and I thought this guy would do it. But, man, he would not go away. He was, like, almost a three-to-one underdog, but he was still in the fight. People are into him. Um, I, I I don't know what else I can really, really say, man. He's just pretty legit dude. But, you know, like I say, I, I think he's – I think him, Arlovsky, Miller, they just have the open invitation to keep fighting until – Something happens. And the same goes for Misha Tate. I thought Misha Tate, this could be it. Even she said this could be it. It wasn't it. She actually looked pretty damn good.
0: Yeah, th- there you go. That's another one. She was just felt like she was one step ahead, too. Mm-hmm. Two ten eight 10-8 rounds, man, in my opinion. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, she just went after Avila, pinned her against the wall, kept taking her down. Oh, and by the way, Guido was landing some nice takedowns, but I got to give Silva props. Silva kept getting up really quick. Therefore, it nullified the takedown, or at least it didn't allow the judge to score based off the takedown. And fighters, look at what Joaquin Silva did because that's what you do, man. The minute you can pop up and make it look like there wasn't much to that, um, it, it's, it'll maybe be counted like a leg strike or a jab or something like this. You got to do something with that takedown. Mm-hmm. Um, Guida was, like I say, relentless and he landed some of them. He just couldn't keep them down. So that's what you want to do if you are someone that gets taken down. But uh, yeah, Misha Tate, she, she, now she was able to keep Avila down and mount her and attack her and do it for long, prolonged periods of time. So great for her. I'm glad she wants to keep on fighting. Uh, that doesn't mean that she's going to win her next one, but she sure looked good in this one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, uh, by the way, um, that get up was just kind of like, Chuck L, right? And now what he used to do back in the yes. day, get taken down. And there was really nothing special to it other than he just stood back up. He just stood back up. Yeah. And you got to do that quick
1: because everyone's mind is racing as to the type of positioning you want, you know, are some guys like half guard, full guard, half, um, side control, up against the fence, drag them in front of the coaches. But if you can basically, once you know you're going for a ride, already start to maybe, you know, get up then that's going to go a long way. Usually the flyweights are real hard to keep down. They usually spring back up. But I think that's what prevented Joaquin Silva from uh, possibly losing this fight because he was in a position to possibly lose it, but because he didn't allow Guida to maximize those takedowns, you know, he was in it. Now, Stolfus, I, I shouldn't have skipped over him. Dustin Stolfus defeated Pona Soriano. And he would take down Puna Soriano and he, and he actually made him, he threw him for, for a couple rides. He would keep him down in Soriano. His process of getting up would take longer. And so would knock minutes off the clock. Stolfus would mix in a knee or some strikes or an elbow or a forearm and that allowed him to sec- to, to secure it. Plus Soriano was taking damage, but Stolfus is actually a great example of how those takedowns uh were converted into points of some sort, unlike Guida's, but maybe not as much as Misha's either because Soriano did get back to his feet. Julia Villa, she could not get to her feet for to save her life. So congrats to stolphus He was a big, big underdog against Soriano, and he took some of Soriano's best shots That straight left, man. It's Whether it's a counter left or a lead left, it is powerful, and it's knocked a lot of guys out. But stolphus he also put down Soriano once. Uh, and
0: and like I say, he his grappling was really really good. Uh, Puna and Danny Gay, same camp, but they're just two guys that gotta figure this out because uh, this trajectory of you know win a couple, lose a couple, win win one, lose one, that ain't gonna work. And uh, and but Puna, I feel like is in, in more danger. He's I don't get it because he hits really really hard. He's from a camp that that really does stress the wrestling Mm -hmm. i don't know what's not clicking for that guy but uh, i always see him in the gym he is a good fighter it just doesn't doesn't seem to click the night of the fight and him and dan
1: there you know you don't know too many hawaiians that that wrestled in in high school you know a lot of them just throw down in the streets or they play other sports well or whatever but those two ray cooper they actually wrestled in high school so they've embraced the grind but mm-hmm. yeah i'd love to see poor uh, soriano instead of avoiding the ground just to throw hands every once in a while mix in his own takedowns and see what his ground and pound is like um yeah. but uh yeah i mean it sucks because they're nice guys and they're always in the gym like you said but they're losing these key fights that are preventing them from following in the footsteps of some of the other Hawaiians. You know, maybe not Tan and Holloway, but you know, someone like a Brad Tavares who's been punching the clock for about a good dozen years now. Man, mm-hmm. it's because he wins instead of two out of four, three out of four. You know, or maybe goes on a four-fight win streak, then loses a the fight. It seems like Soriano's—he's now at nine and four, so that means he's lost a few. Uh, we don't want these guys to get cut. that's for sure uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I I'll give this. What I was about to say was we want to see them improved improve and he did because you know what? I didn't see him huff and puff like I have seen him in other fights. so that that's a mm-hmm. step but you know it's just the the improvements got to come in bigger waves. How about Cody Brundage and Dracar close both finishing their fight wow. via a slam. In which they were caught basically. Well, not caught, but they were getting an attack from the bottom. In Brundage's case by previously undefeated Zach Reese, and Drakkar Close's case by UFC vet Joe Selecki. Um they were getting, you know, attacked from the bottom, uh, you know, triangles and arm bars or whatever. in this case, triangles, and both guys picked up their opponent. And when they went to slam them they left the possibility that the slam might even push the arm further towards the fight the the fighter that's going to torque on on the arm or at least use the arm to pull you closer um you know because the triangle one of the arms is usually caught inside and instead they slammed the guys both on the side of their heads and both immediate knockouts. And they were both around the 149 mark, 140 mark. One was 141, one was 40, 149. Two endings identical, but
0: very rare in this sport. Very. And, uh, you know, when this has happened before in the past, it, it, it's been just as devastating. But one thing I've never seen is just a head thump the way it did like in the jacar close one like that that's just nasty dude i'll it never was. forget the the one that that always stands out to everyone i think is uh picardo rona right when, when rampage just because rampage had him so high up in the air mm-hmm. and then brought him down like that that was just that was horrible i think he even landed a punch afterwards yeah
1: and matt Hughes won his title against carlos newton he was basically on True. the way out and i think i think he was passing out as this instinct to slam him happened. It's just, you know, I get in arguments with people about this a little bit because I actually did the uh, when we were talking about the 30 greatest fighters in UFC history, I'm the one that voiced over Hughes, right? Mm-hmm. And so we got tagged or whatever it's called, collaborated on, on Instagram, and people were like, well, Newton should have won. And I'm like, look, I'm not disputing that Newton didn't have him. But they both came down it's just one guy was more awake than the other one yeah. and that's who they gave the title to, but I'm not just, dis- I'm not disputing that Carlos Newton didn't have a nice secure triangle. It's just, he got slammed and he was completely out. Whereas Hughes was on his way out. And by the time Hughes, by the time the commotion was over, you know, Hughes was the one that was awarded the fight, but yeah, that was another one I could think of. Yeah. Anyway, congrats to both guys. Rodolfo Velato, Jared Gooden, Veronica Hardy also won. Now, who are the eight $50,000 winners? Gooden, Bellator, Close, Brundage, Tate, Stolfus, Brady, Turner, and Sarukian all won $50,000. Way to go, Dana White. Uh, Kudos to you for this event. I wish you would do it for every event. He was asked about it. He just thought, hey, how can I not do it? The fighters perform great. The only thing I say is you haven't done it in other fights where fighters have performed great that's why we bitch about it we just want a little bit of consistency but this is a perfect way to do it i hope in 2024 they all get it um i think it'll motivate the fighters i think a lot of fighters will know third round i might be up two rounds and nothing but i'm going for it i want the 50 g's baby um and especially around the holidays supposedly this was a very highly um this was a highly attended fight night, 14,000. There's been pay reviews that have gotten less than 14,000. Uh, so they had 14,000 in Austin, Texas and a high grossing gate. Maybe that's what got Dana super excited. Who knows? But um, a finish is a finish. You know, the fighters don't get to choose where they are at. They go where you tell them. So, you know, in the past they asked them, hey, how come some bonuses are 85,000? Some are 60,000. And so he said, you know what I'm going to do is instead of having just the pay-per-views or this card or that card or this amount, or that, it's just going to be 50,000. That way no one can bitch. Okay, well, guess what? That was like 10 years ago. Now just do 50,000 every finish and there you go. No one can bitch. All you got to do is make weight and don't act like a jackass in the hotel, uh, you, know, and, you know, thrash the room or, or, or get in some sort of a fight or hurt someone from the general public and you're eligible. Ooh. That should be the norm going forward. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Speaking of what do you make of that whole Sarukian and green thing? I guess we'll bring those guys back before we move to BKFC, but two videos came out. Uh <laughs> Those guys uh, don't like each other. That's for sure. And we, and we talked about this earlier about why they should match them up, but you think the UFC kind of, uh, you know, Dana, asked, Dana says there's a lot of stuff. We don't know that goes on behind the scenes. Almost like this is the norm.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. I've kind of racked my brain about this a little bit. And I I honestly, uh, I guess the only thing I can fall back on is the UFC is so lackadaisical when it comes to like these things going down that they're just kind of like fighters are going to be fighters. You know, "Ah, they're going to say the things they want. I'm not going to tell them to stop that. I think fighters maybe just gain a little bit of momentum and think they can kind of just do whatever and one of these situations one day somebody innocent's going to get hurt you know somebody's going to look we have an 80 year old mom that fell and cracked her uh her hip right fractured her hip that can very well happen in one of these situations a, a fighter jumping into a crowd or whatever bumping over the wrong person one of these days something like that's going to happen now i don't know what that means does that mean two more security guards Need to be everywhere at all times with these fighters. I don't know because, for the most part, this doesn't really happen. And even if it did, are they gonna stop them? Like, I I think it's really just comes down to the fight and the camps.
1: The camps seem to get out of control a little bit too. Didn't seem to happen in this one. Um, I'm all for you know, you got your training partner and your coach. I'm talking about the camps that roll 20, 30, 40 deep. Um, but. The camps might not have nothing to lose. You know, you could hear one of the guys separating separating them saying, Hey, come on, come on, you're prize fighters. Um uh main event. I think one of them was saying main event to somebody, probably yeah, somebody the UFC with.
0: employee.
1: Yeah. So something to try and get through the fact that hey, you're here to to fight for money on Saturday. This whole thing about the streets or coming at me, or this is how we get down. We get it. You don't have to convince us. You don't have to convince us that you're willing to get down. But that's in the past. You're a prize fighter for this week mm-hmm. in the UFC. Um, I, I'll tell you what just, I would
0: do, George. Just, just don't do that. Like I mean, I I don't know. It, 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 if I'm Sean Shelby, Mick Maynard, if I'm Dana White, whatever, I just pick up the phone and I go, "Hey guys, I get it. The type of sport we're in. I get you were upset with him." But if you ever do shit like that again, I'm not going to have the confidence in you to put you in a main event. So don't ask me to be up in these these high-level fights if they mean so little to you that you're willing to put the, the card at risk. I just can't do that. Done. And leave yeah. it at that. And hopefully something like that sticks in a fighter's brain where they go, man, I could just see this guy after the fight. Or I could see him on the streets or whatever, but I can't I can't do this right now. I don't want to put my my career in jeopardy.
1: Yeah, and it really was Surukyan that popped things off the first time. He went to Green with the camera crew and some people and some backup. Green was trying to tell him, hey, get these guys away from me. Um, and then Green found an opportunity for a little bit of the payback. I mean, if you think about it, that's very similar to what happened with McGregor and um, and uh, Habib. Habib had a go at Artem Lobov, and then McGregor found out about it, loaded up his plane, came back, and... That's how things kind of got ugly because they didn't squash it early on. Mm-hmm. And so I think these fighters need to be spoken to and said, look, you may have some sort of a beef with someone here or whatever, but the fighting can't happen or we'll just, I don't know. I don't know if they can threaten to pull them off the fight. Cause in this case it would have been the main eventer. Um I don't know if they can say you're not eligible for bonuses. I don't know what they can do, but uh, it's it's not necessary, is it? It's how can I put it to you? Those guys that get in fights outside of a soccer stadium—they pre-planned it. The hooligans. You guys aren't hooligans. You guys are professional prize fighters. You know, stakes are high. At some point, you're—you know, Suruki wants to fight for a title. Uh, I don't think the UFC wants a world championship that comports himself like that, where at any moment something can happen in a hotel lobby. Like, it's just not a good look. All right yeah anyway um all right spinning back click every monday noon eastern 9 a.m pacific these types of topics we discuss with our colleagues and we go a little bit more in depth and a few of these we'll be touching on them tomorrow so check it out it's live every monday noon eastern 9 a.m pacific myself and goes and a couple of the writers or editors or uh in this case a fight analyst he'll be on tomorrow uh it's a fun time it's an hour long you can participate in the show submitting questions or comments via the chat so it's a perfect show for a hardcore mma fan it's always on monday reacting after the fights after the week's news check it out spinning back like over at mma junkie or go to youtube and subscribe right now hit that little bell so you're aware of when we go live and you'll be all set to go uh it's youtube.com forward slash mma junkie video we just got a few minutes left let's talk a little bit about bare knuckle fighting we lost the fight on friday i believe ben rothwell came down with an illness so he couldn't fight todd duffy in the main event however main event was intact eddie alvarez versus mike perry mike perry defeats eddie alvarez eddie alvarez uh communicated to his corner that uh something was wrong And the corner thought it was best. And so they basically threw the towel in and uh, the fight ended in between rounds. Congrats to Mike Perry. Great fight while it was going on. Alvarez hit him pretty good. But like he said, this guy,
0: what do you call him? A pickaxe or something like that? He goes, this guy can Mm -hmm. take a lot, man. Yeah. So it was weird because um, for as much praise as we're about to give Mike Perry, he was losing that fight. You know, Eddie Alvarez was taking it to him. He just didn't have the power to finish him off, but he—he I mean, was connecting a lot on Mike Perry. And I thought he wobbled him a couple times too. It's just the ones that Mike Perry landed, he really made count in mm-hmm. that situation. And so, yeah, they get back to the corner, and and you can just hear his corner saying, "Dude, you can't—you can't even see out of that eye. We, right. we have to stop this." And and so it looked like his orbital bone was probably fractured, and it was just starting to swell up very bad where like most of his cheek was, was really big and it was starting to move into his eye. And in these type of fights, it's just way too dangerous. And it, I think it was an excellent call. I thought Eddie handled it well, um, but Eddie was just a little bit smaller than Mike Perry. And I don't know if I want to see something like that again, mm-hmm. but Mike Perry, like, Oh my God, you're just, you're attaching him to these fights that are just complete chaos. Like, how do you not want to tune in and see this guy? And now he's learning through his interviews, like the right things to say. Um, He's a superstar over there, dude. An absolute superstar. Dave Feldman has an absolute superstar. Because if you take Mike Perry and you put him back in MMA, I think people want to tune in. It'll be entertaining. But MMA just might not be his sport. I think that he's found his calling. The question is, how much of this can you do what what is like your your life force because you look at a guy like lise palomino he's been doing it for quite a while but he has a Mm. different style he can get in there and brawl but he's not all about brawling either mike perry's all about brawling so i don't know what the shelf life is here but uh i can't wait to see him go at it again and i'd love to see eddie alvarez do it again just more with somebody his size you know like the last fight like. Chad Mendez was a little bit of the smaller guy going up against Eddie Alvarez. Uh, right. somebody more his size, but uh I'd love to see Mike Perry again. And Eddie,
1: if you think about when he fought Connor, he looked undersized against Connor, and Connor was the featherweight moving up. Mm-hmm. So he was never really the biggest, biggest 55er. Uh and Perry was pretty solid 170 guy. But uh yeah, he was just a bigger guy. They're both tough, fun fight to watch. Perry's 4 0 oh now. He's beating what? Page, Michael Venom, Page, Julian Lane, uh, Eddie Alvarez, and Luke Rockhold. I mean, those are all household names where we can connect the dots. We can't even say, oh, you're jumping the gun. Hell no. Those are some good, good fighters. Mm-hmm. So I, I expect a lot from Perry. I think Perry's quickly becoming one of the goats over there. Um, Definitely. And, you know, I, I think aside from Luis Palomino, who owns two belts and has never lost, he's like at 9 0 oh or something like that. I think he's the goat over at Bare Knuckle, but perry's probably more popular than palomino
0: uh very marketable and has a bright bright feature. yeah I, I don't know uh i think mike perry is kind of alluded to palomino before as just not being a draw uh but eventually you keep winning like that they gotta make that fight happen
1: yeah yeah we'll see uh Palomino's fights just kind of quietly come and go. I, I'm not sure if he's a favorite down there or what. At one point, I thought they were going to go to Peru with him, but that fight hasn't happened. Maybe that was around the COVID time. Who knows? But um the rest of the card was as follows: again, no Duffy, no Rothwell, but we still had some other fights. Christine Ferre- Ferreira defeated Beck Rawlings. Um, that was a title fight, and so Ferreira hangs on to her title. At 125 pounds, Kai Stewart defeated Howard Davis. That was a title fight. Kai Stewart wins. Uh, Mike Mick Terrell defeated Arnold Adams. He's now your new heavyweight champion because Alan Belcher no longer is. Um, I think a Rothwell Duffy winner could be in line to fight Mick Terrell, but that fight supposedly is going to go down on the February show. So we'll see. Jeremy Stevens defeated Jimmy Rivera. He got a bad cut um, in the middle of the fight. So Stevens wins that fight. That's the same Jimmy Rivera that used to fight in the UFC. He's now a police officer in New Jersey. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much the recognizable names from the MMA world that have crossed over and done their thing at Bare Knuckle. That was Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship 56 in Salt Lake City Center, Salt Lake City, Utah, at the Maverick Center. Again, congrats to Mike Perry winning kind of the equivalent of the uh, BMF title. He's mm-hmm. the king of violence. King mm-hmm. of violence championship is what he took down. So that's pretty cool. Um, all right. Aside from that, you know, there are a few things. Uh, look, I'll tell you real quick. Um, Sean Brady really wants Ian Gary. Now, Gary's got this fight coming up against Vicente Luque. And he used to train with Brady and Luke at Killcliffe. And then he had the whole thing where uh, he moved to the UK and was training with Leon Edwards. Supposedly, he was asked to leave that gym. So Gary's just been all over the place. And if you recall, Gary came at Neil Magny in a way. I don't know. This guy was kind of likable about uh, six months ago. And now all of a sudden, he's one of the most ridiculed fighters Uh, out there by a lot of people if you really want to do a deep dive into it just google it a lot of people have been doing videos exposing um how difficult he is and how a bizarre individual he's in or a relationship he might be in who knows stuff that really i don't necessarily want to talk about i'll leave that to others but uh sean brady really wants a part of Ian gary now look Ian gary's undefeated and he's been smashing so that's not a bad call out for Ian Gary. Sorry, for Sean Brady. And uh, Misha Tate's going to stay at 135. She says 125 was a mistake, but she does see herself possibly fighting for a title. Uh, At some point, Figueredo says he wants Sean O'Malley. Promises he'll finish him. So, things like that. Things like that. Check them out. All on MMA Junkie. All kinds of great stories. Fallouts from this past weekend. And excellent coverage of the sport of mixed martial arts along with the other combat sports that kind of saddle up to it like we got boxing junkie right and ryan garcia bounced back after that loss to Javonta davis he had an eighth round ko of oscar duarte so our colleague over at boxing junkie you'll see a story regarding that you'll see some bare knuckle fighting championship stuff every once in a while some uh, submission grappling stuff so it's an awesome website you'll love it Um, But we're going to get on out of here for now. We'll see you all tomorrow on Spinning Back Click, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. It's every Monday and it's live. Check it out. We'll see you then. Go out and be a champion.